Welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your secret keeper and confidant, Lauren White. I'm a qualified counsellor and sexologist, madam of a secret society, author of permission, and a witty, highly intuitive lounge room dancing introvert. I help you as an exceptional woman in entrepreneurship to see, love, and trust all the parts of yourself, especially the unseen. Let's pull back the curtain, light the candelabra, and remove the mask. These are the secrets women keep. Welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your host and confidant, Lauren White. And in today's very first episode, I'm going to share with you who I am, what I do, and what on earth the Secrets Women Keep podcast is actually about. Because you really want to know, right? We all want to (laughs) know. But before I get started and delve into all of that, did you know that at any one point in time, 97% of people are harboring a secret? 97% of people. When I read that statistic from research done just a couple of years ago, it blew my mind. I was like, wow, well, I'm definitely one of those 97% of people. And I want you to know if you're one of those 97% of people, then you are not alone. And what you're going to come to learn is it's not so much a problem that we keep secrets. That's not necessarily what causes us trouble and grief and strife. It's more what we do with them and the costs that it has on us when we hold a secret, the fatigue of holding a secret, the shame that comes with holding a secret, the burden that comes with holding a secret, the guilt, the powerlessness and all the other unwanted negative feeling states. So if you need a safe place to come and learn more about the secrets women keep and to start to visualize yourself sharing secrets in a really, really safe way, then you are in the right place. (laughs) Now, a bit of backstory about me. I am a previously registered nurse who has always been interested in the stories and secrets that people keep. I say previously registered because I relinquished my registration a mere year ago and decided I didn't need to hold on to that anymore. But I always want to credit nursing for the launch pad that it gave me to be curious about people and to be really curious about people's inner worlds and what their struggles are and how they think and feel and perceive the world around them. I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in mental health nursing in the year 2005, and I was in love. I didn't think anything could be better than mental health nursing on the beautiful old grounds of the Roselle Hospital in Sydney, which sadly no longer exists in the form that it was in when I worked there. And I just loved it. I loved listening to people's stories. I loved hearing um, what it was that they were struggling with and being able to help and serve. That's all I ever wanted was to help and serve. It didn't take long for drug and alcohol nursing to catch my eye. 
If I thought mental health nursing was great, then God, drug and alcohol nursing blew it out of the water. There I could work with specific treatment programs to see people through their rehabilitation and their sobriety from drugs and alcohol. And it was immediately, instantly rewarding to really work in a vigorous way and to start to polish my counseling skills that I knew would take me much, much further beyond nursing one day. I just didn't know when that one day would be. So it was drug and alcohol nursing that really, really gave me insight into the secrets that people keep, interestingly enough. When people are going through rehabilitation, what can happen is they can start to really reveal what was blocking them, what traumas they were experiencing, what patterns were really disruptive, what habits were getting in their way. And it was endlessly fascinating and really gratifying to see people change. Now, love took me up to Brisbane in 2006, but I didn't want that love to stop or get in the way of my love of drug and alcohol nursing. And I found myself in a methadone clinic. I ended up working there for 10 years and That was an incredibly eye-opening experience, watching people under the harm reduction model and having a caseload and learning that all walks of life can experience opiate abuse and dependence, that nothing can really protect you, especially when, when trauma is at the forefront of why that drug use is happening and how connection can really, really be the antidote to all of that. I loved my work in the methadone clinic or opioid treatment service. I just found that I started to feel burnt out about five years into it. I looked and I looked online for what the next thing could be for me. I was like, I didn't want to abandon all of my nursing skills. I still wanted to use my counseling qualification and I stumbled across Curtin University's sexology program. Before you ask, yes, it is a real thing. I absolutely assure you, (laughs) sexology is a real thing. It is the scientific study of human sexuality. And when I saw their webpage, I was like, I have to do that. It was my satin return. I was looking for a change. I didn't want to leave nursing entirely, but I just wanted to start to create a plan for the next thing that was going to help me feel fulfilled and satisfied in working with people and listening to people's secrets. And I thought, oh, sexology, learning about sexuality, learning about gender, learning about all the paraphilias, learning about, gosh, it's just endless. And when I got in, I felt, ah, okay, this is me. This aligns with me and knew that I wanted to use it in a therapeutic sense when I was finished. I studied hard. I was an absolute geek. I went part-time in my nursing job so I could really put everything into it and came out the other side with the award for highest academic achievement for the postgraduate diploma. Yay! I'm a sex geek, a qualified one. It didn't take me long until I started my own business 
helping people with their sexuality concerns. Only interestingly enough, I started out propositioning that I help both men and women. But an incident at the clinic where I worked threw me off of that entirely. We had one of those really horrible days. Um, We were feeling quite threatened by some of our male clients, unfortunately, and that happens in all forms of nursing. And I just didn't feel safe. We also had another client who was on my caseload say that he knew all these things about me and my private life. And that made me feel really uncomfortable. I went home, I took more than a week off work and I just needed to decompress. Thank God for parks and recreation. It absolutely saved me that week. (laughs) I had a big think and I went, you know what? I only want to work with women. I adore men. I love the healthy expression of masculinity, but I'm a bit done with the all the other aspects of it and just felt like this is for me. It meant that I could focus my work on one group of people and do a really, really good job at it. Decision was made for me and I thank the universe every day because still to this day, all these years later, I only work with women and I don't see that changing anytime soon. I love the reflections of being a woman and seeing what moves other women and what shakes them and what changes them and what allows them to really move through their stuff. It lights me up. It turns me on and it just is my world. So I love my work and I love, love, loved being a sex therapist to women for a number of years. And I say a number of years because I got the tap on the shoulder in early 2020. It wasn't really a tap, actually. It was more like a really clear voice came through that said, you're not going to be a sexologist anymore. What once liberated you is now imprisoning you. It's time to move on. I heard that voice and went, okay, I hear you. I'm writing down everything you're saying and... I'm going to start to take action to gently step away from offering my sexuality services to women, my sexuality therapy services, and to step into what I've always been identified as, which is a confidant. I've always kept people's secrets in all sorts of relationships and connections and dynamics. The words I haven't told anyone this or you're the second person I've told this to or I probably shouldn't be telling you this but I have heard those phrases again and again and again and again in my life. People just tell me stuff and I'm happy for them to do that. It's a role that I really cherish and I adore and it's me through and through. And to me, it doesn't even feel like a label. It just feels like what I am. I'm Lauren and I'm a confidant. Interestingly, around the same time that I got that tap on the shoulder to step away from being a sexologist and fully step into being a confidant, I had a massive bathroom stall moment. You're going to hear a lot about bathroom stall moments on this podcast. They are the centerpiece as to why I do what I do. 
So there I was at a restaurant with friends and my husband, Ed, and the conversation turned into, you know, hopes and goals and where we're at and what it is that we're looking to for the future. And this is all on me. I immediately got triggered by what my friends were saying. I immediately started creating the story that what they're doing is so much better than anything I've ever done. And that's the point that I should be at, but I'm not because I've decided to take all these risks and follow my dreams and, you know, not stick to my nursing job, which was so stable and secure and um, had all of these perks. And I just started berating myself and going down a shame spiral. I walked out of the restaurant, I went to the massive bathroom downstairs, and thank God it was empty. I closed the bathroom door, sat on that toilet seat lid, and in that stall, I just started to sob and mule and break down. Snot, you know, tears, all the rest. I was making sound, I was just letting everything out. It was years of pent-up frustration and feeling like I wasn't enough. And it started to occur to me, oh, I don't have anyone to reach out to in this moment. I didn't have my phone. I didn't have anything with me. And I just thought, but even if I did, who would I reach out to? I mean, I've got wonderful friends, great family, amazing husband. I still felt like I was missing this magical person to be on the other side of it. Someone who could just hear me and see me and make sure that all the focus was on what I was going through because I just didn't have the bandwidth to be worried about how someone else would take all of this in or how they would perceive it. And it occurred to me, oh shit. If I go through this and I need this, then surely there are thousands, if not millions of other women that need someone else on the other end of the phone. Someone who can immediately respond via chat and just say, I hear you, I see you, tell me what's happening. And to keep the spotlight on that process, that processing, the gold that could come out of that, I was like, light bulb moment wow, how swiftly could we pull ourselves back together again so that we can be out there in the world in our fully expressed selves if we just have someone see us in those bathroom stall moments. Now, it's not about speed, but it is about depth. You can go deep so effectively when someone has the capacity to hold you. And I thought to myself, oh, It's up to me to create this service. It's up to me to become the woman on the other end of the line. It's all on me. And I went, yep, I am up for it. A few months later, I decided to create a secret society. Why did I decide to create a secret society? Well, first and foremost, I knew that women needed to come together. And I knew that they needed to come together in a way where they could be completely real and honest without fear of retribution or fear of something coming back to them or being used against them. So I created a secret group on Signal 
and we all use pseudonyms and we share what's going on for us. We don't give details. We don't share names. We just say, this is what's going on at work. Or I had this challenging situation or I've got this memory of this thing that I did when I was younger and I've just realized it's holding me back today. And it's absolute magic when women can just share freely without any worry or concern. It's just the most liberating thing that any of us can do. We meet online and we meet in person and all masked, of course, like a masquerade. And we connect and we bond and we support each other. And there's no immature femininity or gossip or bitching or, you know, unsolicited advice. It's just pure beauty, pure magic, pure art. And that, interestingly enough, was one of the things that helped me with my own struggles with loneliness. Even though I'm well connected, I have wonderful circles of friends and other entrepreneurs and family and husband, like I mentioned before, I still have moments where, yeah, I need I need that special someone or I need that special group. And even though I don't share a lot in secret society, I do share parts of myself and it's really wonderful being seen even as the facilitator of that. Another thing that also helped with my loneliness, just while I'm on the note of that, was joining a mastermind. Really helped me so I felt covered personally and professionally in going through the struggles of being a solo business owner, because that can get really lonely as well if you don't get out there and be connected and share with with other entrepreneurs. And being an introvert doesn't always work in my favor. I can tend to self-isolate and go, oh, I'm really missing connection and I really need it now and I need the healthy kind of connection. So where... Does all of this leave you, dear listener? Well, in it being my mission to make sure that women feel like they can see and love and trust all the parts of themselves, especially the unseen, especially the secret parts, especially the parts that we haven't wanted to access out of fear and judgment and shame and guilt and powerlessness and worthlessness and all of those other things, all those other fears that we hold that we might be rejected or we might not belong or dot, 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 dot. I want to reassure you that you can see, love and trust yourself, all of the parts of you. But it starts with It starts with acknowledging that you have secrets, that you've got parts of yourself that feel taboo, that you've got fantasies that feel far-fetched or feel feel like they'd be seen as unsavory to other people or seen as too much or whatever it is that comes up for you. I want you to know that as a woman who sees women, I already know that you've got all of this stuff inside of you. There's no way that you are merely what you present to the world. There is a well of depth and wisdom and juice inside of you that is yearning to be expressed in the most artistic, sensual, embodied ways possible. And that's why I created this podcast. I want you to feel 
better about yourself. I want you to feel like you can be liberated and you're really liberated and you're really integrated when you share all those parts of yourself. Might be to one person or it might be to a hundred people or more. It's about starting to learn what the right context, environments, and spaces are for you, who the right people are, and to marry those two things together and to be able to reveal more of yourself. So I want want you to know that there is either a person or a group or a space out there for you to start learning more about yourself so that you can soar in this lifetime so that you can live for your highest good and feel turned on and feel excited (laughs) and feel free. Oh, isn't that all the good stuff in life? The juice, I've got goosebumps. So I have lined up for you a number of incredible powerhouse guests. Like they are absolutely fucking amazing trailblazers, change makers, action takers. These women are here to change the narrative around how women live their lives and run their businesses. And it just, these women turn me on. They make me, they make me excited. They, um, they make me want to like bum shuffle on the floor. Like when I was a baby, cause I was one of those babies that would bum shuffle and wear down all my pants rather than crawl. <laughs> they make me want to bum shuffle <laughs> and dance and sing, um, and all those things. And I just can't wait for you to hear what they have to say about secrets and about bathroom store moments. And I'm really, really asking them questions that get to the nectar of being a woman and so that you get all killer, no filler. That is my intention for these podcasts. Zero waffle, all the maple syrup. That makes no sense, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) So I'm glad that you're here. Stay tuned. There's so much good stuff to come in my solo episodes, which are really quite revealing, and the guest episodes. And the last thing I just want you to know is that before I interview any of the guests, I check in with their consent as to what they're willing to share. And if there's anything that they're not willing to share, then that, and they do end up saying it, then that gets cut out from the final podcast. Because I'm all about the secret sharing, but it's got to have your consent. It's got to have my consent. It's got to have my guest consent. And We're here to keep everyone safe and to make sure that people's trauma isn't reactivated. So yes, we share secrets, but it's not sharing secrets in a way that will uh, shake you to your core or cause you any sort of primal brain fear responses. We want to reveal, but we want to make sure that you can breathe and you can take it all in and that you feel safe in yourself. Okay, really excited to get started. Let's pull back the curtain, light the candelabra and remove the mask. These are the secrets women keep. 